Welcome to Ladies Let's Talk podcast. We are five everyday women helping each other to grow, learn, and above all, supporting each other unconditionally to live our best lives. We understand that not everyone has a connection like ours, and our intention is that by sharing the ups and downs of our lives with real, raw, honest conversations and plenty of laughs, we can help you to become more of who you are, help you to stand up, walk taller, look the world in the eye and know that you are enough and you are worth it. Ladies, let's talk. Welcome ladies to today's podcast and to our listeners today. Today we've got Michelle. Hi Michelle. Hi Chrissy. Hi Beck. Hi Chrissy. We've got Nolene. Hi hello, Nolene. Hello, hello, hello. And last but not least and in the spotlight today is Mel. Hi Mel. Hey Chrissy, how are you going? I'm very well, thank you. So since our last episodes to date, we have been each sharing a little bit about ourselves so everyone can get to know us that little bit better. But I have to say, I think we have all learned some interesting things about each other and I'm sure the other ladies would be, agree with me on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's she been would. awesome. I've loved it. Yeah, so it's had a bit of fun. So today, I'm very excited for Mel to share some of her story with us. So maybe Mel, if you could just start with a bit of your background. I know you've had some interesting travels when you were younger and maybe just let us know where you're at now. Uh, how much younger? <laughs> so when I was 18, I lived a year of my life in Finland. I was a Rotary Exchange student. And I lived in a little city called Tampere, which sits between two lakes. And I'm going to tell you what they're called because, you know, it sounds Finnish and all. So the two lakes were called Nasi Nelia and, do you know, I cannot even remember. What's <laughs> <laughs> the other one? Nasi Nelia. Oh, I don't know. No, Nasi Yarvi. Nasi Nelia was the needle thing that said, so, oh, my Lord. Oh, anyway, I'm just... Oh, we're two so minutes in for a minute. <laughs> two minutes in. Puha Yarvi was the other lake. Nasi Yarvi, Puha Yarvi. So I lived there for 12 months uh, and it was absolutely phenomenal, uh, instilled in me or just cemented in me my love of travel. And it's funny because the man that I have married, I swear to God, was a Finn in a previous life because he just doesn't like people and, and like social distancing is right up his alley, right? <laughs> uh, and then, then I came home back to Adelaide, born and bred in Adelaide I am, and I joined the Royal Australian Navy. So that took me to Melbourne. Spent a couple of months in Melbourne where I met my husband and, of course, the beautiful Beck that we've got here today. I got posted to Sydney and lived in Sydney for a couple of years, at which point I left the Royal Australian Navy. Uh, I moved to Queensland because that's where my parents were living at the time. And I worked up there for about 12 months before I fell in love with my husband. Uh, we'd been friends in the Navy, but then we fell in love. And, of course, he was living in Victoria down on the Mornington Peninsula and so I moved to Melbourne to be with him and lived there for numerous years. I can't even tell you how many now. I was a member of the Victorian Police Force down there, had two beautiful children. And then from there, we moved up to Darwin, which is where we are now. We've been up here now for about, I want to say, 10 years. I'm trying to think how old my child is. She's going to be 12 this year. So we, this must be, we must have just done 11 years here in Darwin. Um, so kind of been all over Australia and loved every part of it. So that's a little bit. That was like a two-year plan or a five-year plan or something, wasn't it, Mel? 
<laughs> Darwin was a five-year plan, absolutely. But look, it, it, it's a magic part of the world. And for any Australians who haven't been to Darwin, look, for anybody in the world who hasn't been to the Northern Territory, come here. But Australians particularly, I think we always look to travel overseas. Uh, our own backyard is spectacular. And the mm. the landscape of the Northern Territory has taken my breath away like taken my breath away and I, I really plan on doing a blog post to show you some of the places that I've been privileged to visit um, as a part of my day job because um, I've, I've seen some magic places up here and it really is stunning. That's awesome. Mel, you mentioned that you are the proud mother of two beautiful children who I have actually had the privilege of meeting even though we live in almost opposite parts of the country. So just share with us what's been one of the greatest challenges for you as a mum? My daughter. <laughs> I lo look, I, I love them to bits. My son is very, he's just very easy. Uh, she challenges me every day. And I think that she is here to give me my greatest lesson and is really teaching me to thoroughly accept people as they are, to not try and change people and to not, I think my biggest challenge as a mum is not pushing me on them, but having them go out and discover who they are and have them discover what they're passionate about and for them to go and do that. And, you know, my 11-year-old, my she just absolutely divine, biggest heart in the world, and she loves art. Like for me, art, whatever, could give a whatever, you know, like it's just not my thing. Um, but she loves to draw and all of those kind of things. And so really encouraging that even though it's something I don't get or understand really encouraging her to discover who she is as a person and nurture that because I think if she can find what she's passionate about then she will grow into be extraordinary and I just want I just want my kids to be better than me I want them to I just want them to be better does that make sense yeah absolutely makes sense and she is an incredibly talented young lady with that Mel you and I haven't known each other very long but something when we talk is about how much gratitude and practicing gratitude has changed our lives how has adopting a practice of gratitude changed things for you let me be really <laughs> honest when I first heard about gratitude and it will change your life I thought what a crock of shit like seriously <laughs> <laughs> And knowing it you at the time. It cannot make that much difference. <laughs> like these people are on crack, right? Well, I have drunk the Kool-Aid <laughs> because <laughs> I am on that crack now and it is seriously the best ever. It, it, is, it has helped me to be more present in my life, but it's also what you focus on grows. And by focusing on the things that I am so grateful for, more of it comes because you kind of forget about the crap and keep focusing on the good stuff. And it's it's been a real game changer in my marriage. I've been married for 19 years now to my husband. Whoop, and I've, I know, I know, <laughs> less for murder, right? I always say less for murder. But anyway, I'm surprised he hasn't killed me yet. But the more I, like when I focus on what it is that I'm grateful for in my marriage and what it is that I'm grateful for about him, I find more of it. and instead of focusing on the fact that I don't even know what are we up to 14 months later he still has not installed my dishwasher <laughs> instead of focusing on those kind of things 
<laughs> I focus on the fact that last weekend he worked a night shift. It was a 12-hour night shift and he still went, got me my favourite coffee on his way home and he woke me up with a cup of coffee. And so I, I, I focusing on what it is that he's done for me has really improved my marriage and focusing on what I'm grateful for in life. I think this, you know, we don't really want to talk about the corona crap that's going on at the moment, but what I'm hoping comes out of it is that people really do focus on those little things in their life that make an extraordinary difference and realise just how blessed they are, especially here in Australia, man. Like, holy, we got it so good and we have so much to be grateful for. So I think, Michelle, it's just helped me to find more stuff and make me fall more in love with life. And I don't think I would appreciate sunsets for what they are without my gratitude. So, And they're beautiful, aren't they? Stunning. Stunning. Beautiful one tonight. Mel is our sunset queen. Uh, so I'm sure at some point there will be a whole blog post about Mel's sunsets from her veranda. So. I'm not writing anything in that post. I'm just going to post no, photos, just be photos and that will be the whole post. <laughs> <laughs> Let that magic uh, speak for itself, hey, Mel? Yeah, absolutely. However, I don't understand how you haven't just hired yourself a handyman to get that dishwasher installed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that really confuses me. But anyway, I would like to know what behaviour in others does your head in? Oh, I've got to say, it's the way that some people drive on the road. Oh. <laughs> it really does my head in. Not in a not in a trivial way, Chrissy, but in a really serious way. So when I lived in Melbourne, um, I was actually a Victorian police officer and I saw my fair share of road trauma. I have actually, I'm such a crier and I'm not going to cry. I can feel already the tears welling in my eyes as I talk about this, but... I've literally watched people die in front of me and the first car accident that I went to or car crash that I went to where a woman died, I actually had to tell her daughter um, that she was dead and I had to tell her sister who turned up that she was dead and, you know, he had not had enough sleep and he fell asleep at the wheel. He had one of those little micro sleeps and he crashed to give way sign and, that girl's life was changed forever because she lost her mum. And I've just seen it time and time and time and time again. And I don't think that people realise the gravity of getting behind the wheel of a car and just the impact that it can have on other people's lives. So the one thing I would say that really annoys me is that I wish, I just wish people would drive like they cared about the people on the road. I sometimes feel like they don't. They're in too much of a hurry. They don't know where they're going to. Look at you. You've all just gone silent. (laughs) But it's a a great share, isn't it? Because when I worked in the hospital and I mentioned it in mine, like in the orthopaedic ward, and 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 I, you know, kind of made a joke of that, but that was not funny. Like seeing the accidents and stuff, it just really, it's... You don't realise. And, I mean, you saw the other side of it, like where you see when someone's killed, like that's it, their life is done and it's extinguished and... But the other side of it is that person who goes into hospital and has to recover for six Mm. or 12 months or whatever, and their life is never the same. I mean, look Mm. at Beck. You know, Beck had a car accident that broke her wrist and that has literally affected the rest of her life, like and what she can do with that hand. And I just, 
you know, I'm so grateful that people haven't seen what I've seen because I've seen some really horrible, horrible things that I wouldn't wish on anybody. But I, I wish in a way that they kind of had because I think they would approach our roads with a really different sense. Yeah, and, and yeah, give it give it up to our um, first on the sceners, you know, like our oh, first that, responders. You know, that's the word. <laughs> first on the scene. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Look, my my husband's a policeman. I've got a lot of really close police friends, and you know, road trauma absolutely breaks my heart and is something that is is totally unnecessary. And if everybody else drive drove for others, then you know the world would be a different place. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah, mm. I can see what you mean now. It's so true. So thanks for that, Shamel. That that story, I've heard it before and it still gives me goosebumps now. And, and oh, so, I've got tears in know. my eyes again. It yeah. still affects me. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you that don't know Mel, we know Mel a little better than some, but her claim to fame is that she is uh, super funny. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> You're so lucky to have such a funny friend. Aren't we? So grateful. Gratitude to that. So in saying that, what what does actually embarrass you the most in front of people or are you pretty shameless? Oh, I'm not shameless. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I can't. Yeah. I can't handle nudity. <laughs> like I've never been, like Nolene will just get her gear off and just won't even care, right? Like I, I've been in shower blocks with Nolene. Like she could give a shit. <laughs> but for me, it's challenging. Like I've never even worn tops with cleavage. You know, because I, well, I said to my husband, if I wear a top and my boobs are hanging out and men looking at my boobs and he's like, of course they freaking are. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not wearing those tops oh. then because I don't need them looking at my boobs. <laughs> um, I would say nudity. Do you know, I'm 44 years old and actually I'm nearly 45. It's my birthday, I think, in a week or something. Ooh. And like, I literally two years ago bought my first bikini I've, I've not worn a bikini like for my whole entire life because I'm just too embarrassed to put my body out there. So that would be the one thing, Chrissy. Like, yeah, I was so surprised when you told me that because you would look amazing in a bikini. Oh, you are tall it. and skinny, and when and she's got big boobs, so you know oh, why and not? Then, and then when I lived in Finland, right, they all go to like the Australians call it the sauna, but the Finns, we like to call it sauna and they go have sauna and they go, they go naked. And I'm like, what do you mean naked? Like <laughs> naked, naked or like surely you wear your underwear or no, they go naked, like total starkers. And, and I was 18 when I was in Finland. Like that was a massive freaking challenge of my life to get my gear off and sit in a steam room with other people. Like, uh, yeah. So that would be the, yeah. You'll never see me. I did flash my boobs once too, Beck, but, like, I was drunk, so that doesn't count. <laughs> Can I just clarify too? I don't get my gear off anywhere. I get my gear off in, a like, a, a common women's change room or something like that. I don't, like, just get my gear off and walk down the street. So let me just clarify <laughs> that, will you? You know, I, I'm you not quite that, that bold. on the ABC called You Can't Say That? Mm-hmm. Love it. Oh, my God. Have you seen the one on the nudists? No. <laughs> oh, not sure. They just literally sit there on the television naked talking to you. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I just couldn't. That I couldn't do that. 
my vajayjay is my vajayjay and that's where it stays. <laughs> <laughs> that's very up close and personal, that there, Mel's. It's a little bit different uh, to that part of the uh, body other than the nudity. But it does shock me because we, we were in the Navy together and... Um, Rebecca, you had your boobs out I for had everybody. Boobs. Not you did have great <laughs> boobs, but me, not so much. No, it was always you and your boobs. You just <laughs> were probably drunk at the time and don't remember properly. Uh, let's leave that uh, there it. then. Anyway, moving right along, I would like to know, Mel, what is your biggest fear? <sighs> you know, when I have my kids. One of my mum's friends said to me, now you will know fear. And I said, okay, <laughs> whatever, don't really. Yeah. My biggest fear, look, you'll make me cry again. My biggest fear is something happening to my children. Full yeah. stop. Yeah. My husband, like I don't, I don't want to lose him either, but my children, like anybody touching my children I said to my husband when my kids were so little I said if anybody ever touches these children you are going to jail and he says yeah I got no issue with that and he says don't worry I'm a policeman I know how to hide the bodies (laughs) (laughs) I hope he's not listening (laughs) he's at work Um, so yeah, the, my, my biggest fear is anything happening to my children, not being able to protect them, not. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and I think all mums will just go, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. There's well, a reason I, I don't have kids because, you know, I don't need to have that fear. Thanks very much. Yeah. It's real. <laughs> it's real, Nolene. It's I'm real. sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think all the mums out there will be thinking that, Mel, um, yeah, and, uh, and I don't think it matters how old you get, does it? Like, I mean, you and Michelle and, and Chrissy, you, your kids have all left home and I, I dare say that's probably still a fear that you would have as a mum. Oh, God, oh. yeah. I, I don't know about Chrissy, but I'm, I'm still like a mother bear. Like, you do not touch my cubs. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. They're still, your, they're still your kids. doesn't matter how old they get. You just modify it a little bit. 100%. So you might have some fun when they get a bit older and need to branch out and you have less control over their environment. With us, Mel, too, we talk about our connection and some of that is some of the amazing books that we have both read and listened to. Because I didn't used to do a lot of audio books, but I really love them now and I listen to them a lot when I'm writing. So I wanted to know what book has had the most impact on you and why? This is such an unfair question to ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> can't. I can't do one. And so I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm. It, uh, it changed my thinking. It stopped me. It's a book that talks about breaking the habit of being yourself, funnily enough, but it talks about breaking those thought patterns Because if you're just going to keep thinking the same thoughts every day, like your life is not going to change. And I was going through a really hard time in my life. I'd walked away from something that I really loved and I was really struggling. And I used to have these conversations in my head. Like, you know, when you talk to someone and you don't say what it is that you want to say. And so then you walk away and you're like, well, if I could have my chance again, I'd be saying this and this and this. And then if they said that to me, I'd say this. And then if they said that, I'd say. And man, I used to run that through my head literally for about six months. And when I read that book, I was like, oh, yeah, that's really unhealthy. You need to stop that. And I, I did. 
I, I, well, I've stopped a lot of it. I still do some of it. So I would say that book most definitely. I have to mention a couple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Five Love Languages, again, has had such an amazing impact on my marriage and helped me to understand the things that my husband does, like his love language is physical touch and mine is quality time. And I used to be cooking dinner in the kitchen and he would come up and hug me and I'd be like, what are you doing, dickhead? Like, I'm cooking dinner here. Go away. Like, leave me alone. I'm like, can't you see I've got stuff on the stove and whatever? And he actually stopped hugging me like when I was in the kitchen cooking dinner and he stopped hugging me like as much as he used to. And then I read this book and I went, Oh, right. Just because he gives you a hug and it's not how you... It's like we were speaking mm. Spanish and French together, right? And um, from that moment on, I made the decision to change and I started hugging him more. And whenever he came to give me a hug, you know, I would stop what I was doing. Unless I couldn't stop at the time, I'd be like, just give me two seconds, just let me do this and then I'll give you a hug. Um, and it, it, it's amazing how it changed the love in our marriage. Um, and he read the book last year because I asked him to and he did finally. Um, and now the way that he treats me is different as well and he gives me the time that I need, whereas before he didn't really understand that I just needed to be with him. So that book. And then third. <laughs> oh, another one. I'm so saying liberty we've here. Got a, yeah, we've got a time limit here, babe. Yeah, well, so third, I'm just gonna say, <laughs> third I'm just going to say it's seven books actually. The entire Harry Potter series, I could not <laughs> go without mentioning that book. I, I, it is extraordinary. It's an extraordinary story. I love it. I can't tell you how many times I've read or listened to it. Everything in my freaking house is Harry Potter. Like the, the kids, I've turned my children into Harry Potter fans. So I have <laughs> people to discuss it with. We've got all the games. We've got paintings. We've got bedsheets. We've got everything Harry Potter. Um, so I'd say those three books. Oh, and The Four Agreements is amazing as well, but I'm going to stop there. <laughs> we know you're an we avid might, reader, Mel. have to do some book reviews, eh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, wouldn't yeah. that be interesting? Every time I need a new book to read, I'm like, righto, Mel, hit me with one. And she's oh, yeah. the, she just, Guru. without even thinking about it, yeah. she just replies, get this, this one now, and then this one's next. So <laughs> she's like a walking library. That's cool. And you love them, Beck. I do love them. They're great. I'm here now. <laughs> I remember seeing this question come up and I I could almost have written Mel's list for her. Mm. And I'm sure that if she had a, a list of 10, that one of the ones that would be on there would be Daring oh, Greatly by 100%. Brene Brown. Because that one is one that she shared with me and I know that she's shared it with a lot of people. Get and, in the ring, Nolene. Uh, Get in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> Get the in arena. the ring, exactly. The arena, yeah. In the arena, in the that's arena. it. Oh, I love and, Brene. Uh, I think maybe we'll ask Mel to do a <laughs> blog post on her top 10 favourite books and and, well, and a why. I don't know how I'll, I'll get them down to 10, but okay. <laughs> and I, th I think it's really important because they're the sorts of things that our conversations have been based on. Mm. And when you've shared those books and we've read them, we have a common ground to then have the conversations that have brought around Ladies Let's Talk podcast. So, you know, it's not just a book that's impacted your life. It's impacted everybody here as well. And I know that I got onto Brene Brown because of you. And I know that Beck has just said that 
she asked you for those review, you know, the books to read next. And Chrissy's asked you for those books. And Michelle and you and have have had those conversations. So I know that there'd be a lot of people who'd be really interested in what has prompted the conversations and supported the conversations that this group of women in particular has had. Look, and I get that some people don't like to read. I don't understand it, but I get it. And I would say to those people, go get Audible or go get a go get something where you can get Audible books read to you, listen to them in the car, mm. listen, like wherever. Um, reading will change your life. Yes. It certainly is amazing and it has certainly done that for me too. Did you know with the five love languages, there's another set, there's a set for kids and teenagers and have you like have you used it with your relationships with them yet oh, I haven't I've they say not to nail your kids down to any language that to just love them in the five ways and to show them the five languages and kind of let them work it out from there I think my boy is physical touch my 11 year old she stumps me still <laughs> But I'll work her out. Because in the kids' book, they actually give them some questions as well so they can sort of figure out for themselves. And while it doesn't lock them in, it is an interesting way to parent them. You know what, Michelle? That's what I need. Another damn book to put on my <laughs> yeah, now you've done it. <laughs> Poor Mel. Ah, <laughs> oh, you never stop reading. You never stop learning. That's it. It's wonderful. Never. It. Okay, Mel, I'm going to go right away from that and um, ask you, what is your favourite colour and why? Green. Any shade. There is not a bad shade of green. <laughs> <laughs> I think it comes from my love of nature mm. and my love of green. I, I don't know, even the word just feels good to me. I love the natural bush and I love the forest and I. to me it's just nature and it's just clean and it's just... I just love green. I don't even know what it is, but <laughs> there's something about the, I love the sunset. We've talked about, spoken about the sunsets, but green fills my heart. I can feel it in my gut. It's awesome. Hence the reason we have green in our, our logo and our banners, right, Mel? Because it was all you with the green. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I don't care what colours you do, just make sure green's one of them. <laughs> oh, dear. We live, all live really interesting lives and, we, I'm sure, all have had regrets of things that we could have done or should have done or maybe have done better or whatever in our past. So, Mel, if you could step back in time and change one thing, what would it be? Nothing. I am who I am today because of everything that I've gone through. And, you know, we've spoken at length, Nolene, about some trauma and stuff that I had in my childhood and those kind of things. But I believe that I am... You know, that there, as we keep saying, I think we're just going to forever say, oh, there's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we talk a lot. Um, I wouldn't change a thing because I believe I am who I am today because of everything that I've been through. And I really am learning to love myself a whole lot more and know that I am enough. Probably the only thing I would change is if I could go back and just tell myself all those years ago that you are enough and you are amazing and you are worth it. And just go and be you. And we're going to try not to swear on these. And, like, <laughs> I dropped the F-bomb like nothing else. And I really am going to watch my P's and Q's. But I just want to say right now, because I think it needs 
the strength of it. Fuck the people who don't think that you are enough because I'm tired of people putting their own constraints and their own expectations on other people. And if I could just go back and tell myself you are enough and even those people who are close to you and told you that you're too much and you need to tone it down, don't just ignore them. They're not worth it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> We Too might many have to, yeah, oh. I think we might have to have an explicit rating on that one uh, when we put that one up. But, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Mel. That it's reconciling those things that happened to us in the past and making sure that they integrate with who we are and loving them and being grateful for them is really important. If you'd asked me five years ago, I'm sure I could have given you a list of stuff that I would change. <laughs> but now I'm more solid in who I am that I could give a shit anymore. Take it or leave it. Yeah, it's funny. I love it. I love that answer. That is so cool. It's like swinging doors though now, isn't it? It's like, well, you could have taken that path or you could have taken that one, but you didn't and now you are where you are. So isn't there a movie yep. like that called something? Door, sliding, sliding doors. Sliding doors. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> swinging doors. Yep. It's a cantina. <laughs> that's the one. It's a really interesting movie too because it, it actually does bring you back to that point of if you made one different decision how different would your life path be and I can I can say for myself that I've got like four probably pivotal moments in my life that if I'd made a different decision I wouldn't be where I am today and it's it's kind of the, again as we say that's a whole yeah, other podcast yeah, <laughs> my biggest was joining the navy my biggest was joining the navy because I had literally just got a chef by trade I got an apprenticeship with Qantas flight catering which who cares, right? All I wanted was the cheap flights, but I turned that down. <laughs> Airline food, like big whoop. But I turned that down to join the Navy and, you know, I met my husband the following day. I met Beck, and I just think, wow, if I would made a different choice that day, wow. You may never have flashed your boobs. <laughs> I would have still done that, but probably not with you. We would have found each other back. I got no doubt we would have found each other, but anyway. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Because <laughs> you can look back now and there's so many moments, so many. But yeah. So, but anyway, speaking on moments, maybe something you would or you wouldn't do, I'm keen to know, we've, we've talked about food before, which has ended up quite a funny subject. What is the food you would absolutely not eat and why? Look, the list is long of foods that I don't eat. In fact, my family, you know, Wayne often said, my husband says to me, I can't believe that you're a chef. Like, dude, you don't eat enough different types of food. But whatever I asked him this question today and he actually answered with the exact same food as me oh, yeah. uh, there's a there's a couple on the list first up I'm gonna say fermented shark from Iceland oh have you seen they bury that crap it like hangs for five or six months or something it is like ugh, just don't even go there I can't even like no, nah, I'm not eating fermented shark from Iceland. That's you can see Nolene almost <laughs> having a gag reflex. <laughs> Yuck. Are you with me Where on that one, Nolene? That at? Yeah, oh. totally with you on that. That sounds absolutely horrendous. I mean, I love fermented food, but fermented <laughs> shark does not sound nah. at all appealing. That's a whole nah. new take on what kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, it's not even in the same freaking league as Kombucha. Oh, shit. <laughs> seafood. Mm. Seafood. Sea, sea, seafood Kombucha. 
Oh, yeah. I can't even talk. Stop it. Where? And it would smell like the fish markets. No, don't. Oh. Uh, Yeah. I've got to say the next thing is like those fermented, I don't even know what they do, those thousand-year-old eggs or some crap that they eat in Oh, no, they're beautiful. They're so good. No, who said they're so good? they're good? No. Oh, shut up. Yeah, honestly, I've no, tasted it. I've eaten don't one. Eat so... I'm just going to vomit, Nolene. <laughs> Can I tell you a story about them? We were in China and we were on this fantastic, very small tour and we went to this really tiny, weeny little restaurant that our guide had found for us because there was only six of us on the tour. And so there was like a table for us. That's it. That's all that was in the restaurant. And so our guide had obviously said to the chef, you know, make some really traditional food. Uh-oh. So they brought out these beautiful plates of food. And the, like if anyone ever tells you I'm that the food rice. in China is crap, no, the food in China was the best food I have ever eaten on any holiday ever. And you guys know that I love to travel. Anyway, this guy come out, the the waiter came out with this platter thing and it had these thousand-year-old eggs on it. And I, I did I did you, Mel. I, I looked at it and I was like, oh, my God, how are we going to eat this? And the chef standing in the doorway waiting for our reaction because he was like seriously waiting for our reaction. I don't care. I'm still not eating them, Nolene. <laughs> so I looked at my mum because I was on this tour with my mum and dad and I said, if you have one, I'll have one. And she's like, okay, we can do this. And they taste like hard-boiled eggs. No. It was such a letdown because it was just a hard-boiled egg, but they just they have a different consistency. No. And they taste amazing. That's the other thing that gets me, though, <laughs> is the consistency. Like, don't give me oysters. They're like swallowing balls of snot. Like, why would you bother? I don't even... See, I love oysters, no, too. No, well, no. Nah. <laughs> and I love mushrooms, too. Yeah, but mushrooms are no. disgusting. I've tried, but I just can't. You know the other thing? I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen that? Sheep's goat, cheat, sheep's goat. Sheep's goat. Sheep's goat. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? Sheep's milk cheese from Sardinia that they, like, I don't even know what they do to it, but it's got maggots in it. And they oh. literally spread the maggot cheese on the cracker and eat the maggot cheese. I ain't eating maggot cheese. I'm not eating fermented shark. No. I'm not eating disgusting month-old eggs or whatever they are. And I'm, <laughs> I'm traumatised by eggs. Like, mums will understand this. Lunch boxes right? Children, put your lunchbox in the mm. sink. Those bastards never put their damn lunchbox in the sink. I'm telling you, they're assholes. Children, like, just don't have them. But my, <laughs> my, my dog Too goes late. into my daughter's room finding something absolutely disgusting. There is, I made curried eggs or something and she'd taken one to school and he had literally lived in the bottom of her school bag for like a month and the dog found it. And we had like this I live in the tropics, man. Like that <laughs> shit, just this curried egg. Her room smelt for days. I ain't eating no thousand-year-old egg. You can, <laughs> I don't even care. I watched. I watched the Amazing Race. When they come around to the food challenges, I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. I ain't eating crickets either. Just for the record, like. Yeah, so much for one food. Shit out the, there, right? So much Seafood for the kombucha yeah. concluded. <laughs> And, you know, and I just want to say in current times and probably to be a little bit controversial and those kind of things, I ain't pangolin either. I'm not eating any exotic kind of, I'm not eating horse. I'm not, I just, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, nah. All right. You, you don't have to apologise. That's okay. <laughs> Speaking of animals and to wrap it up in your blog, and I really particularly like this shit in your blog. I just love this because I've never even heard of this little guy before. 
but you have a real fascination with nature and animals. And I know you love animals so much. But um, you've popped in there one of your favourite animals. What is it? And can you explain it to our listeners? Would be awesome because I think it's super. <laughs> I freaking love the honey badger. And like you said, I know about animals. Like I've been reading about animals since I was knee high to a grasshopper. Like I love them. And I, I thought I had a really good knowledge of a lot of animals in the world. And I only learned about the honey badger like 10 years ago or something. And I couldn't believe that there was this huge mammal that I'd never even heard of before. He is seriously kick-ass. You've got to look him up. He lives in Africa and Asia and stuff. He literally bites the head off a cobra and eats the cobra. Like, you tell me what animal does that. And, <laughs> and as his name suggests, he loves honey. He will literally dig through a honey hive. Like, he's a really good digger. He would dig in a honey hive to get the honey out. And the bees will sting him so much that his face looks all swollen and crap. And he'll just shake them off. He doesn't give a shit. He just wants the honey. If he feels a little bit afterwards, he's had a little nap and gets up with a hangover and off he goes again. He's just kick-ass. He don't give a shit. That's why I like the honey badger. I think he's like my spirit animal. He does not give a shit. Yeah. Like he's a he's a big F you, whatever. <laughs> That's why I loved it. And I Googled it and I saw some pics and I thought, oh, my God, yeah, that is oh. so mal. That, have you that watched animal. him on YouTube? Wow. Have you watched? There's a couple of YouTube clips where people are talking about the kick ass honey badger. I cry when I watch them because he's, <laughs> he's just awesome. Go look up honey badgers. They're the best. Oh, there we go. There we go. So everyone can Google honey badger, would be awesome. So thanks, Mel. It's been so much fun. And um, yes, you are funny as, and we do love you so much. And if you would like to read some more about each of us, Check out our blog, which you can find at ladiesletstalk.today. Thank you so much for sharing with us and joining with us today at Ladies Let's Talk. We look forward to joining you on our next episode. So until then, please walk taller and remember you are enough and you are worth it.